This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. My name is Stephen Chenault. Welcome to the Crusader Podcast, a show about the Castles and Crusades role-playing game. Alia Iacta Est, the die is cast. Welcome, everybody, to the fourth episode of the Crusader Podcast. I can't believe we're already on episode four, but we're churning them out for you. Um, we've got a lot of good feedback from everybody on the Facebook group and through our, our email address here. Um, so today we want to do a feedback and email episode. Today we're going to focus on the emails, but before we get to that, let's go over what we've been doing recently in gaming. So, Carl, what have you been doing in gaming? Recently in gaming, I was at SpaCon, which is a gaming convention in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I ran four uh, games at SpaCon, one of them on the Expo stage. Uh, so I ran a live D&D game in the Expo Hall for an audience of about 200 people. Wow. Now, now I, I, let me let me uh, uh, clarify. Not a captive audience. The they were shopping and and selling and having vendor booths and, but uh, uh, I did have about twenty people sitting out in front of me watching the game, and I would just rotate people in and out. Um, they would come and have a seat and play a character for a little bit, and then I would say, okay, let's rotate some more people in, and I had probably about uh, fourteen people. Uh, play through a little uh, quick adventure uh, in about uh, an hour and a half. That's really cool. Two hundred. Wow. Well, it was twenty, so it's like a festival uh, festival crowd in Spinal Tap terms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people milling about who could hear me, and and some that were actively watching me. Well, that's way more onlookers than I've ever had. <laughs> I think uh, two hundred people. That's like. Fantastic. Well, Tyler, how about you? Okay, well, let me see if I've got my timetable correct here. I think the first uh, thing I had going on as far as gaming, and we didn't actually get a demo game in. We were at CMOCon in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. It was a closed drive, so why not? And we exposed uh, some new people to CNC, made some good inroads with a gaming store there in Poplar Bluff. I'll be running a demo uh, for them soon. And then I guess in between that and another con I was at, if my, my timetable is correct here, I was at uh, the Greyhawk Gamers Guild. Uh, it's a monthly thing that's put on over in Carbondale, Illinois, at a local pizza joint. And, you know, uh, Carbondale is a college town. They get some people over there ranging from teens and 20s on up to the uh, 50s for sure. And uh, sometimes it's RPG, sometimes it's board games and uh, you know, any, any number of things. And uh, this time I decided to run Victorious. I have an upcoming convention game and I wanted to run that. So I ran The Nights Before Christmas, which is a PDF uh, by Mike Stewart, the Victorious author and one of the many longtime CNC contributors. Then it was a really good session. We had about uh, four or five people. My, my son was in the game and, and a few other people as well. And, and it went over really well. And it, and it is similar enough to Castles and Crusades with the Siege Engine. And it has its... Uh, variant rules as well as as far as dealing with superpowers and and some skills that are in the mix as well and so it was nice to be able to run that for some folks at the Greyhawk Gamers Guild uh, that weekend in Carbondale and then I guess after that we had uh, once again returning to Carbondale 
Saluki Comic Con, and this was at uh, SIU, Southern Illinois University, I think where Tim Kask uh, was a member of an old gaming group there back way back when, uh, and that's that's a story in itself, and we all know Tim Kask was the first managing editor of Dragon Magazine and, 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 a, and a contributor in the early years of Dungeons & Dragons, but neither here nor there, I thought I would check out this second year con. It had been huge the year before because Carbondale, Illinois, was kind of the optimum viewing point for the eclipse last year. And so they were swarmed with an Ozzy Osbourne concert. Uh, they had the uh, Comic-Con going on last year, and people were there to see the eclipse. And so this con was just overwhelmed the previous year. And I thought, you know, I need to go this year. I know the crowd's not going to be probably quite that big because they benefited from having all those people. It was also family weekend at the university, so there was a lot of good foot traffic. On Sunday, things really picked up, had more people stopped by the booth, and particularly uh, some folks that were selling their own fantasy novels there. A, a guy and his wife that both write, and their friend who also writes. They're gamers. We talked for a while, and really great production values on their books, and even a few hardcovers, some maps done for their fantasy worlds. Uh, one of them had indicated they had played as far back as second edition. I thought, oh, here we go. And they had played some three and obviously four and five as well, but they started talking about CNC a little bit, and I was speaking with them. They came by and looked at two different times, and they ended up buying quite a bit. They were really impressed with it. And I said, oh, if you guys liked 2E, I said, this was the logical successor, you know, to build off of the old D&D. And, and we really connected with them and some other people that came along that either had not gamed before or some that had. So it was a great experience at Saluki Comic Con, and I expect we'll probably return there in the future. On my side, I've been running my bi-weekly game at my friendly local gaming store. Um, unfortunately, this week, half the party died. It, it did not go quite well for them. They got ambushed by some gnolls. Dice were not with them. Um, and they they attempted to escape, and half of them succeeded in that attempt. Unfortunately, the other two players had to roll up new characters. But <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes, right? It happens. But they were all good sports about it, and it was it was a good ending to those characters. So they were able to roll up some new ones real fast because we are playing CNC, and we got right back into the adventure. So I'm excited to see where that'll go next week. I totally understand that because the last time my local group, my uh, girlfriend and an old friend of mine and my son from time to time, uh, they're kind of left in limbo for the moment because we were all at kind of negative hit points and possibly uh, going to end up being... Uh, captives of some kobolds, I suspect, that are kind of a sidetrack in Mike Stewart's Shadows of Halfling Hall adventure, which has been around from Troller for a long time. Great, great first level adventure if you've never checked that one out. But yeah, I, hopefully with all these cons going on, we're going to get a chance to uh, revisit that in the next, not this weekend, but uh, perhaps another weekend down the road and see what's going to happen. Not a, not a TPK per se. It'll be interesting to see what happens in that one. Now we're going to go into the section from the bogs, and we're going to read some of the emails we've received. This is going to be an email episode, and I'm going to read the first one, which is from Christopher Dawson. He writes, Hi, guys. Thanks so much for getting a Castles and Crusades podcast going. I raised this idea on the troll forums years ago, but never had the means myself to get something started. Your efforts are much appreciated. I have some thoughts on possible future episodes. I think you need to explore the rules much more. The first episode had a brief explanation of the Siege Engine, 
but I think you can go a lot farther in exploring the concepts to Castles and Crusades newbies. Perhaps run through a scenario, like a band of adventurers fleeing an old warband and coming to a fast-moving river. Recent rains have overflowed its banks. It is a deep and fast, easy-to-drown, trying-to-cross... Time is of the essence. Those knolls are close. Have a party with the standard PC classes. Use a series of attribute checks to get the party across the river. Giving detail on how the castle keeper would calculate the challenge level. Maybe make some real rolls, etc. Maybe there is a damaged rope bridge. I also think it would be great to talk about the other parts of Castles and Crusades that are unique and different from most editions of Dungeons and Dragons. For example, I've always been annoyed by the Dungeons and Dragons Barbarian and the annoying Rage ability, taking the semi-legendary historic Berserker and making that an ability for all tribal cultures was just dumb. So the Castles and Crusades take on the Barbarian was a revelation and one of my draws to Castles and Crusades. Maybe one way to do show the uniqueness is to review each class and race one by one, pointing out the uniqueness of each as well as the comforting similarities. The Castles and Crusades Half-Elf, for example, with its human or elf lineage, is another good example, as are the lack of spell use by the Paladin, Ranger, and Bard. Make note of the walrus on the equipment list. Get Steve. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've always been a defender of the walrus. Get Steve Davis and Todd Gray and interview them about the history of the game, especially the influence of Gary Gygax on its origins. Include a review of all the Castles and Crusades Gygax work, like Yigsburg and Castle Zagig. Go through each of the sittings, perhaps several episodes to cover all the aired material, with some focus on new rules in the aired player's guide, and of course the codex of aired and all the adventures. Also, the haunted highlands would need some love. Then... Move on to all the great Brian Young codexes, Germania, Keltarum, etc. Cover Amazing Adventures, of course, with a Jason Vey interview and coverage of all the book's adventures. Keep up the good work. I'll be listening. Christopher Dawson. I like this guy already. I mean, he mentioned Todd Gray, one of the greatest, nicest, old-time buddies of mine from Trollord Games. And, and his love for the completeness. I mean, he's mentioned almost every product. We, <laughs> this we guy knows his stuff. <laughs> he does. He does. And I mean, there is so much we could do. You know, we we might have to do a podcast a week to cover it. But no, he really knows the stuff. And he's right. Uh, Jason Day with the Amazing Adventures and his other contributions to CNC. And of course, Casey Christopherson's Haunted Highlands material. I mean, he's a very, both of them underrated, uh, you know, guys out there working in the RPG industry. There's so many people that that work for just different companies here and there and whatnot. And those are two guys that definitely need their moment in the sun. And Brian Young as well. Those mythological codexes are just beyond compare. And we hear that a lot from people that are deep into myth. You know, it's just amazing. He's got a lot of fantastic ideas. Uh, Christopher, I think you're spot on about the needing to go over the Siege Engine in more detail. Um, listening back to the episode, I do think it was just a brief introduction uh, but it does deserve its own episode with with in depth um, with an in depth look into how it works, um, especially with like you said the examples and making some real roles and stuff like that. So that's something we're definitely gonna do. Um, thanks for pointing that out to us. 
And of course, for those of you uh, waiting with uh, bated breath for the uh, in-depth look at the Siege engine itself, if you turn with me in your 6th, uh, 7th, or soon-to-be 8th printings of the Player's Handbook, you can find on page 162, or at rather 163, Attributes in the Game, and it goes over a great detailed section, as I've told many, many CNC customers at conventions and other people. That is the heart of the game, especially if you've got that later printing Pages 163 up through it looks like at least uh, 166 or 7 or so. Really covers that detailed look at the Siege Engine with some examples. And then, of course, as you continue to use the Siege Engine and feel your way through it, it'll just become second nature, and you can use it for, for everything. All right, we have an email here from Louis Lau. He's very active on the Facebook group, and thank you, Louis, for sending an email to us. He says, Castles and Crusades is an amazing game. It's simple enough for a newbie to learn quickly and complex enough to keep old school players entertained for years and years. I'm currently running a long campaign set in my own homebrew setting, and I'm using some optional rules provided by the Castle Keeper Guide and creating a few of my own. He goes on to give us a few of his examples. Um, he starts out with race examples. I created several sub-races or racial types based on the environment they inhabit. For instance, the average dwarf does not live in caves, but in the cities on the top of the highest mountains. They do not possess deep vision and is replaced by twilight vision, but they do gain cold resistance and climb. In exchange, of deter in exchange for determining depth and direction racial trait, for example. There's another sub-race of dwarf, an ancient, almost forgotten race. They live deep within the mountains of the eastern wall. These, these dwarves are in all game mechanics, the dwarf of the player's handbook. He gives us a couple class examples. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but his cleric one is pretty good. He says, I gave the cleric a special ability that I loved about AD&D, granted powers based on the deity they worship. For example, for following the goddess of beauty and love, you gain the ability to cast suggestion a number of times per day equal to your wisdom modifier. The duration of these abilities are based on character level. Clerics gain this ability at fifth level in his game. He goes into languages. As player characters gain experience, they also gain knowledge of the world that surrounds them at fifth level and every five levels after they gain the ability to speak and write a new language. I think that's really cool. So he says, we are also using the secondary skills and advantages options from the Castle Keeper's Guide. And let me know what you guys think. Wish you an amazing day. Again, Louis, thank you so much for sending an email. I like that you are customizing your game. I also run a homebrew setting, and I think that's one of the best things about CNC is you can take it and make it your own without breaking it. Um, you're able to tweak classes, races, adding things like your extra languages, and everything still works great. Yeah, he's clearly a veteran gamer. He's probably played far more difficult games in the past, and he really has made the game his. You, you, when you read some of his posts at the Castles and Crusades Facebook group, you, you're thinking, man, I'd love to play in that game. They've really got a lot going on over in there, uh, uh, in, in Puerto Rico with our Puerto Rican trolls, uh, such as uh, Lewis and, and others and Roberto and others, and we, we couldn't be happier to have them uh, doing what they're doing and and how they're making the game their own and that's that's once again the beauty of castles and crusades you can look at the framework and then go from there and it's harder i think to break a game like cnc if you can even do it whereas you can do that with other games where you can run into problems oh i've changed too much this is going to be a problem but clearly that's no no problem for uh lewis all right we've got a 30 mail this time from zach pierce 
Hey Crusaders, just found the podcast and listened to the first three episodes. The timeliness of this is wonderful as I'm prepping to run a CNC campaign starting in a few weeks, so I'm rereading a lot of material and look forward to hearing your podcast delve into the system more. So we are getting a little uh, bit of a request there from other people to hear a little more about the system itself, presumably the Siege Engine mechanic in particular. Castles and Crusades is a game that introduced me, he says, to the whole OSR when I started playing RPGs again a few years ago. And he goes on to say, I started playing RPGs right around the release of AD&D 2E and played a mix of 1E and even Basic Expert back then. He says, I tried 3E, but it didn't sit well with him. And, and he says, I took about a decade off from RPGs and missed out on all of 4E. When I got back into the hobby, I looked at some newer games, but they didn't feel right to me. Castles of Crusades was pitched to me as what 2E could have been, and it really does feel like the perfect refinement of that mishmash of AD&D rules we used as kids. He also says, I've been on a tour of systems throughout the hobby and found a lot to love, but something indefinable draws me to CNC. As I'm reviewing the core books now, I find that CNC sparks the imagination as much as ever. If you're looking for some topic suggestions, uh, Zach says he'd love to see some episodes on the history an evolution of the aired setting and i know steven chenault would be the perfect guy for that he he dreamed it all up I, you know <laughs> it came right out of his mind uh and it had been a setting they played as far back in the 1980s zach and then uh zach is also requesting um summaries of adventure lines uh, like the umbridge saga which he says is one of his favorites of the uh, past decade an interview with peter bradley as he says whose artwork has given cnc such a coherent vision and a look at some of the interesting takes on character classes CNC de has developed. And we're certainly going to do that at some point. Uh, probably our uh, main classes in the uh, player's handbook. But not only that, in a future installment, some of the classes in the uh, Adventurer's Backpack, uh, 13 new classes. And as for Peter Bradley, uh, of course, he has given CNC sort of a vision, as well as our one of our other uh, primary artists, Jason Walton. And, I, and that's something I could see in the future as well and in the umbridge saga can't disagree it's it's a great setting and presently 17 adventures in that one and it's ongoing okay our last email is from ryan hickson he says crusaders i stumbled upon the podcast a couple of days ago and i'm excited for a program dedicated to castles and crusades thank you for putting this together and keep them coming he asks if we've advertised this uh on the cnc community on g plus um we haven't uh, I think it was mentioned on the G Plus community. We are going to slowly start working on other social networking sites. Unfortunately, G Plus is not looking too good right now. <laughs> That's right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, he says, I do have a comment slash request. The first episode had a brief discussion of the Siege Engine. I thought it was maybe too brief and didn't go into detail on the flexibility, adaptability, and elegance of the Siege Engine system. I think specific examples of what you can do with the system would help. I also noticed that in the second episode, things like challenge rating and adding to your level were mentioned in relation to checks, and that wasn't really discussed in the first episode. So I'd like a greater in-depth discussion of the Siege Engine, how it works, and specific examples. Um, he also goes on to give us a little bit of feedback. Uh, he says, personally, I'd like a little more equal speaking time between the three hosts. Uh, maintaining equal time can be challenging, but I've listened to other podcasts do it. So thank you, uh, Ryan, so much for the feedback. Um, and, I mean, this is kind of coming to a consensus that our listeners want more of the Siege Engine. I'm actually going to have to read the books now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. All right, are you guys ready to go into the deep dive? 
ready as always. Well, there's been a lot of talk on the Facebook group recently um, and also in our emails and Facebook comments about advantages in the Castles and Crusades game. So we thought we'd go into a deep dive about that. So what an advantage is, is a, an optional rule that you can add to your characters to mechanically make them different from other characters in that class. Um, it's something that you take at different levels, and it's basically just like a boon that your character will have. Well, as uh, some of you may recall, uh, Stephen Chenault told us a while back that uh, Casey Christopherson, the incomparable Casey Christopherson, is the one that wrote these advantages for the uh, Castle Keeper's Guide. And uh, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea sometimes. Uh, for some folks, uh, uh, they may have played a lot of uh, 3 and 3.5 of the uh, of the fantasy game or perhaps another uh, game as well that came later, uh, 3.75 or whatever it was called. I think when we reference uh, 3.75, we should call it Ford Explorer. Ford Explorer, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try to remember that. Oh, goodness. So I admit I have not used any advantages in my Castles and Crusades game, um, but I did spend a night the other night reading through all of them, um, and it does uh, speak to Castles and Crusades being whatever kind of game you want it to be. If you want to add more crunch to your game and more mechanical options, the advantage packages definitely give you that. Uh, I think what keeps them apart from feats in other versions of other games is there's really only a few pages of them, and a lot of them are fairly basic. They don't uh, change the game in in a huge way. Um, so I really like that. It's it's something that you could easily drop in to your game or completely keep out. Well, you know, you mentioned that, but I'm a little disappointed, he says with sarcasm, that there's not even mightier than mightier swing. I'm renaming some of these. And mightiest <laughs> swing and super duperist mighty swing. But that's, that's just me. But no, you know, seriously, we should take a deep delve on these uh, these advantages. And like, like you said, it's it's not a, a, a book after book after book after book of of uh, some good advantages or some that might be overpowered to the point where you, it's coming to your table and you don't know if they're they're usable or not. I mean, still some some research is needed to read through these if you're going to use them for your game. But I could see where it would lend to some custom uh, some customization of the characters. I think somebody. On the Castles and Crusades Facebook group, a lot of them were uh, favoring them and using them. But one person did say that, or alleged at least, that it might overpower the characters a bit. I can't speak to that. I think, and I want to uh, address this real quick, because it's it's pretty much this whole discussion of whether to add these is about adding powers to characters. And uh, I think that whole idea of overpowered characters and balance is absolutely an illusion. The idea that the game itself can be balanced is an illusion. There is no such thing as game balance because your characters can get magic items and magical abilities. The job of a castle keeper, in my opinion, is balancing the game. Advantages are just one more piece of that puzzle. What's the difference between someone getting an advantage that gives them a plus one on their combat or a sword that gives them a plus one on their combat neither of those is going to just off rail your game to such an extent that it's unplayable i wouldn't be scared of that yeah that's a really good point um it is all about balance or even unbalance you know that's that's the thing about a role-playing game is it comes down to judgment calls 
no matter how crunchy the game is, there, it's still human. It's human impact. So there could be error in there at any time. It's not a, a cold computer, you know, that's yeah. making all those and balances. There's nothing on the fly. inherently wrong with having a situation where your heroes are stronger than the monster they come up against, or where they're weaker than the monster they come up against. That's all just part of the experience. They exist in this environment that uh, uh, does not fall to a codification of what they can compete with or not. It's not a sporting event. It is um, It is an environment to explore. Certainly. Um, one thing I really like about the Castle's Keeper Guide is it's more of a toolkit than a rule book. And even for advantages, it gives you different options for these optional advantages. So you could just add them to the game um, and your player characters get whatever class abilities they have plus advantages. Or another option is to substitute advantages for class abilities. So instead of getting class abilities at certain levels, um, you could allow your players to choose a, uh, an advantage instead of choosing or gaining that class ability. So I think that's pretty cool because then you really can kind of keep a handle on it. If you don't want the game to get too crunchy, you can let the players decide, hey, I'm going to swap this class ability, and instead I'm going to take this advantage. And I really like that. Absolutely. And I see where they start out with these um, heritage advantages where they cover a lot of the different races, uh, the dwarves, elves, and halflings, uh, anything from uh, expert minor and... Uh, you know, uh, stalwart courage or counter, and it just goes on and on. And I, and I think those are uh, pretty reasonable. As you said, it never gets too bloated. There's enough to work with here to give your uh, characters some, some pretty good things racially based, uh, uh, among other options as it moves into combat and other areas. I do think it's interesting that in the castle's crusade system, advantages are separated, uh, in the way that they are, where they have advantages based on the race of the character, where you have this list of Dwarven advantages, Elven advantages, Halfling advantages, Half-Orc advantages, and then it separates them on type of character where there are ranged combat, combat advantages, and magic advantages. What I find useful about that is you, you, you've you all probably had somebody who wanted to play, uh, let's just say, a, a human raised by dwarves. You know, you, you've had situations where somebody wanted some sort of... Um, element of their character where they were the fish out of water raised by another society attaching these advantages to that character would be a way to kind of show that they were a part of that society mechanically that doesn't exist necessarily within the core rules of the game i really like that there's only eight pages because they're not it adds crunch to the game if you want it but it's not overbearing now, it does uh, create a bit of a conundrum as far as the advantage progression table. Table 18.2 advantage progression. We have all the uh, classes covered, but nothing for the adventurer's backpack classes yet. But, you know, I guess that's okay because at the time of the Castle Keeper's Guide writing, there was no adventurer's backpack, but it could be food for thought for, uh, for the uh, throng of um, people who uh, like advantages in Castle's Crusades. Or it could be a community written thing, too. It'd be cool if somebody took it upon themselves to come up with a few advantages out well, there on the Facebook group or, or somewhere else. You know, it's something I think could probably uh, be handled by finding the closest corollary. You know, the thief is the corollary to the rogue. The magic user is the corollary to the wizard. 
You know, some of them don't have exactly a one-for-one match that's obvious like that. Um, right. But you could put the Rune Caster with the Cleric's Druids, Illusionist, and Wizards section. Um, so y- you could probably handle that by uh, just finding the ones that match the closest to it. Good point. Yeah, the Warrior Priest with the Clerics, obviously, and and probably the Arcane Thief, perhaps, with the... Uh, oh, that's a magic- hard one. Yeah, it's a hard one. That's a debate for another day. <laughs> you could do uh, 1, 4th, 6th, 12th, 16th, 20th. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing about... <laughs> that's the thing about Castles of Crusades, and make it as you want it. And uh, generally, it's just really hard to uh, do much to mess up how you want to do C&C, be it attacks of opportunity, be it these advantages, or any number of things that you want to add back in the game that may have been in previous editions of the fantasy game i think also if you are interested in adding more advantages to your game even though there aren't uh uh uh, necessarily a slew of them in this book you could always look in the ford explorer rpg and find a large amount there that you might be able to translate over and everything in the ford explorer rpg is is available on their uh, system reference document sure absolutely And there's a lot of them. (laughs) There is. There's plenty. What I really like about doing these deep dives is before when I, I mean, I kind of peripherally knew about advantages, but I was like, oh, that's just feats. I don't care about that. There's no way I'm putting that in my game. But for the segment, obviously I read it through all of them and I read the feedback on the Facebook pages and stuff. And it's like, you know, these really aren't something that I should have just written off. I have friends that are, into more crunchy games and one of the complaints about castles and crusades is they feel that you can't customize your character to the same level as other games so to bring them into cnc i could easily see myself bringing these advantages in and being like look here's some customization that we could do and i think it's something that they would they would be pretty happy about all right everybody thanks again for joining us on our latest installment of crusader podcast um Coming up, we do have a giveaway that we're excited about. Uh, We'll be giving away a copy of the Adventurer's Backpack. All you have to do to be entered into the giveaway is to call the voicemail line and leave a message. Uh, We'll randomly pick one of those to be the winner. Um, Make sure that you leave an email or contact or something so we can get a hold of you to give your book to you. And then we'll put the ping pong balls with your name in the hopper, spin it around a bit, and select a lucky winner of the Adventurer's Backpack. And you can call to leave that voicemail at 567-406-3386. Thank you again for being here for our fourth episode of the Crusader Podcast, and we'll see you again next time. Some games may change, but the Castles of Crusade Siege Engine remains the same. I just threw our number into a uh, vanity telephone number sorter. Yeah. So you can reach us at...
Josh, zero, me done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, everybody remember that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> done spelled D-U-N, by the way. <laughs>